That does sound a little bit like the Charlie Bamford story about when he was talking about Guinness and the old lady who put her hand up and said, now, is it true that uh, the reason that Guinness tastes the way it is is because they have a dead cow in the vat? <laughs> and Charlie like said, my, my, my dear woman, that's ridiculous. It's two cows. <laughs> Everyone right to go? Okay, everyone, we're good to go. We're good to go. Radio Brews News is proudly presented by Cryomalt. With over 25 years in the field, Cryomalt are dedicated to providing the finest brewing ingredients to help brewers create the foundations of a truly excellent beer. They are your premium brewing partner and they are proud sponsors of this. And this is Brews News Week. The uh, thing, it's a podcast. We've been doing it for a while now. Um, in which we take a good hard look at the news, the views and the issues that are breaking across this wide brown land and across this crazy spinning globe that we call home. I'm your host, Pete Mitchum, and it is a pleasure to welcome from our Brisbane studios, Matt Kierkegaard. G'day, Matt. Morning, Pete. Are you wearing a Mountain Designs zip-up jacket or anything like that as you uh, ask us whether we're good to go? I'm rocking the Bruise News equivalent of the North Face jacket today, which is the Radio Bruise News News Not Noise t-shirt. Ah. I love that he comes in uniform, despite that we can't see him. <laughs> Can I say, look, I, I could say yes, you know, deliberate, but um, stayed up a little bit later last night and I get my clothes out ready in the morning because, you know, because I don't live with mum, so she can't put them out on the end of the bed for me. <laughs> So I just grabbed, I just opened the door in the dark so I didn't wake Carol and um, grabbed the first one. And then when I put it on this morning, realised, oh, there's the Oh, that worked out nicely then, didn't it? So it was completely serendipitous, um, but also completely coincidental. <laughs> but anyway, and it's a pleasure to welcome the other voice you heard, Claire, the boom in the room, <laughs> Burnett. G'day, Claire. Hey, Pete. What a big news uh, week it's been in the news world of beer. Hasn't it just? Yeah, it's been busy. It's been very busy. It has, well, uh, not so busy that I couldn't um, ha- have a, 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 a... Swan off at lunch. <laughs> yesterday. Uh, Stone and Wood did a Remembrance Day um, lunch. Um, their head brewer, Mick Barnes, uh, at the Stone and Wood Brisbane venue is a former serviceman. Actually, there's, there's quite a number of current brewers who have been active servicemen. Matty Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say, yeah. Um, I'm trying to think. I, I, and I, Paul, Paul Brock, who he was in the tank regiment, uh, he used to be, he was involved with uh, Otway Estate, uh, Prickly Moses, back in the early days. Interesting. Uh, okay. So, yeah, there's quite a few. If, if you know of any, we should. Quite a few more that we don't know. We, we, we should get an honour roll. Yeah, we should. Um, for brewers who have served. But for now, as they say in the States, thank you for your service. Thank you for your service. Yes. Um, but and, and I'll tell you what, Mick Barnes is a cracking brewer. Like they're, they're doing some really interesting – they've obviously got the core range of Stonewood uh, beers down there. But you know, he's doing some really nice beers down there, you say. So I got to go down and try his Legacy Lager, um, which is a red lager, poppy red lager, you know, made in the German style. It was, it was lovely. But the, and also the food that Wait, they not, had. Not a, not a tip of the hat to Rooftop Red, is it, Matt? It sounds a little bit like <laughs> what you're describing. Actually, it was funny because he, he was describing lager. it to me. And you know, on, on one level as a brewer – you know, brewers break down the sort of malt profile and the, the hop profile and these sorts of things. I, not having tried it, um, I actually wanted to fix the flavour point that I should be looking at. And, uh, you know, I said, said to him, so how does it, you know, where does it fit, um, you know, in regards to, say, Jasper? And he goes, oh, completely different beer. And, and, and actually, this leads in a little way to our... Um, Periods of conversation this week with Peter Lawler because, uh, you know, from a brewer's point of view, a, a red lager is drastically different 
to a red-ish ale. Or an alt beer, like, like, uh, of which Jasper is a very good example. Although it's apparently the, it, it's changed a little bit. And it, it has. To, to, it has more, to, yeah. to be a little bit more hoppy, to yep. aim at the hoppy Yeah, lovers. yeah. But, you know, and, and then I, said, and I stopped to think about it and we, we had a bit of a discussion because on, on some level, you know, uh, a Schwarzbier and a Stout are, in technical terms, drastically different beers. But they look very similar in the glass. Well, they look similar in the glass and to, to a punter who, oh God, I can't believe I said that. To the average, well, you know, that's... going to say booze yeah, to, to, to the average, yeah, booze, to <laughs> the average booze, booze drinker. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, you know, it, it's slightly roasty at, you know, and... and Whilst they may be left with a perception of Christmas or something like that, um, you know, the, the the beer is going to be fundamentally the same. Yeah, so I, I don't know how I went down this rabbit hole. Lovely lunch at Stonewood, really interesting beer discussion, um, and he's making some great beers and we thank him for his service. And also all of the money that they raised for Legacy yesterday. Yeah. And I have seen too that um, they have launched their Stonewood Beer Club. Not that it's not a paid spot or anything like no, that, no. but I just sort of looked at it and thought it looks pretty good. Well, we did a story about beer mm. clubs a couple of weeks ago. It was interesting that of the three that we reached out to, two of them had actually put up the you know we're closed, we're full sign because what? yeah, and, and because they were scaling up, um, and Stone would have just you know you know opened the uh, tuck shop window again, obviously to sort of, uh, take more people on, which is which is great. Yeah, I think it's a good way to engage with a. With a brand, it's just difficult when you then get uh, a few more, as I'm sure will happen you know, in years to come, because um, it's it's quite different to subscribing to you know like a mixed case from Beer Cartel, for example, or or one of you know the Carwin's you know can vent calendar, or which I think might pop up in the news. I haven't it looked does, right way down my notes yet. But <laughs> boom. Um, do people want to go for, you know, the mixed thing or do you want to sort of, you know, hitch? Because realistically, you can't afford to be the member of too many sort of beer clubs. Mm. Apart from the fact that, you know, unless you live in a warehouse, you're not going to be able to fit them all and, and you're not going to be able to drink them responsibly in the time that you should. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. And it's just about loyalty, isn't it? I think people aren't, like, of course they love the beer, but they want to support the brewery that they're most loyal to, that, that they have a connection with, um, and that's really cool in itself. And, you know, that provides, I think we even wrote in that article that it, you know, it provides um, that brewer with a guaranteed audience. They know that they're going to be getting that beer, they're going to get that money in that month from their beer subscription suppliers, and anything that's a constant source of revenue and um, customer loyalty is going to be awesome. But constantly engaging with your client and getting mm. direct feedback. Um, yeah, that's really helpful because they're often quite vocal. Mm. <laughs> Which I'm sure must be fun. <laughs> and and, and it, it, it's a business model. There's a podcast I've been listening to, um, Great Tales of Capitalism or something like that. And it's just a little bit of a, it looks at, you know, Netflix and Amazon and, you know, WeWork and just sort of does a, a, a bit of a story looking at a business. Um, and they've recently done Kodak and looking at how Kodak, it was actually a Kodak employee who developed the CCD, the charge coupling device that became developed digital I'll claim that um, but one of the things that they talked about was a recurring theme that we're seeing in some of these businesses at the moment is the need for constant evolution and you know there was a, um, a pram make manufacturer um, who gained market share because they directly sold to the market and one of the things that they said is it gives us direct feedback to our customers you know it it changes the margins that we get but there is a direct connection direct feedback direct communication channel 
that when we sell um, beer through a, a retail store, we're not getting the feedback that the you know. And when you apply it to a, a brewery, like if somebody walks in to a, a bottle shop and says to the you know twenty one year old clerk, "Oh mate, don't like this. It's X or you know, no, I'm not going to buy that. I had tried that last week." You're not getting that feedback um, passed on, and. Uh, so yeah, the, the the online bottle shops are seem to be like the online beer clubs um, seem to be as much about engaging on many levels directly with with the consumer and getting them into your orbit. Have you guys caught up um, with the um, beer as a conversation? Because I did touch on it in my ramble before. Um, have you heard the Peter Lawler conversation yet? I'm halfway through. Halfway through. Yep, halfway through. I, I have He's not cool, yet. isn't he? Nice bloke. Lovely bloke, sort of mm. like you'd like to have a beer with. Yeah, but it which was, is great for a writer. We, for, for a beer yeah, writer, but beer at, writer. at the same time, like it was kind of like, it, it was an abject lesson in stepping outside of the beer bubble, as I said in the intro, mm. you know, like it, there was so much two 50-year-old white blokes reminiscing about the good old days, <laughs> which I'm very, very conscious of, and that wasn't the intent. But as somebody who has one of the biggest platforms, um, in you know, it, bigger than Bruce News, bigger than um, Crafty Pint because he writes for a mainstream media and I'm sure that anything that he writes about beer is just seen by more people in Australia than what we do. And so I sort of took my own approach to beer writing um, and, you know, love for, 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 for the product and applied it to him. But then when you sit down and chat, you know, he's kind of like the accidental cricket features writer um, because he never set down, you know, set out to be a cricketing writer. And it was the same with beer. And his approach to beer, you know, wasn't quite often when you look at you know, any 20 list, oh, I've got to have you know, at least one or two from every state. I've got to have this one to show that I'm cool. I've got to have this one to show that I'm also a bit mainstream. Um, it, it really came across. He's just beers that have stood out for him during the year. Make his list. Really nice reminder that you know, for 90%, you know, maybe even more, you know, if craft beer is 10% of the market, you know, a lot of people are drinking craft beer that don't think about it, you know, outside of the cold refreshment that it mm-hmm. provides them when they drink it, that there is this huge element of the market that we serve that don't care about what we think on Radio Brews News. Um, they <laughs> God don't, forbid. God forbid they should. Um, and yeah, so and that's why we always say drink it responsibly, but don't take it too seriously. Mm-hmm. And, and thank you to James. Uh, and, and again, James Davidson, frequent correspondent to the, the podcast. Um, if you wanted better illustration of some of the things that Peter was saying, um, and you know, James, it, it sounded like he was initially going to sort of turn his nose up you know, as the um, evolved beer snob. It's probably not unf- unfair. Beer you know, nerd. Beer nerd. Um, uh, that he's he's become. Um, you know, but then suddenly thought back to. Shit, I actually did do that. I tore out my top 20 beer list and went and sort of sort those beers out. And he still got it, you know, what, 15 years later. And, yeah. I'll, I'll see you and raise you. I've um, I've got the article, but I've also got um, one of each of those beers from the top 20. <laughs> Never. <laughs> hopefully, on, yeah. hopefully um, not the beer, just the bottle. So you know my number's at least 20 now, for those who are playing along and <laughs> guessing how many beers were in my shed. Yeah, a, a good read and um, and a good listen, I'm sure. So get on to Beer as a Conversation because there's not too many left for the year. The year is almost done and I'm, I know most people can't wait to see the arse end of it, but um, there's still a little bit more <laughs> to be done. There's nothing magic and, about uh, December 31st, mate, unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, that's so. right. <laughs> the COVID doesn't turn into a pumpkin. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> if only. Let's start with the news. Uh, new board members at the IBA as 
Pete Phillip returns as chair. The IBA held its annual general meeting on the 10th of November, which saw two new full board members appointments with Karina Steve from uh, Prancing Pony Brewery and Claire Clouting from Gage Roads, elected uh, by the membership for a three-year term. The board also nominated two casual directors to the board, um, which were one-year appointments, and also asked Pete Phillip from Wayward Brewing to serve a final one-year term as chairman, and also Johnny Ladder from Nomad Brewing to continue to head up the trade marketing group. Their priorities for the next year include ensuring a fair excise beer tax rate for indie brewers through the increase of the small brewer rebate up to 350000 supporting regional growth through additional government investment, ensuring open market access for indie brewers through the review of TAP contracts... and obtaining a commitment to fund the development of a long-term strategy for ensuring that the indie beer industry can achieve its goal of reaching 15% of the Australian beer market by 2025. And I'm just uh, realising that uh, people who are playing bingo at home would have snapped the end of their pencil about twice now (laughs) um, and and be just about halfway through the card. But, yeah, some good stuff there, and well done to the IBA. Congratulations, you know, fully supportive of the Independent um, Association. I'll be interested to see how they do tackle the issue of contracts because, you know, with any member-driven organisation, there are a number of them in there that have contracts um, despite being independent. As the the chat I had with... um, uh, Deep Creek, Paul Brown, you know, and uh, not expecting him to have contracts. Suddenly, you know, the conversation just happened upon that. And he says, yeah, we do it, you know, for this reason yep. and stuff like that. Um, and, and, and we've discussed before, when does a TAP contract become a mutually beneficial commercial arrangement? It doesn't have to have a signature on. You know, if you've got a good working relationship, you know, there are some people that you just find you work easier with and they make it easy for you. And you'll inevitably give them a better deal just because well, you make you work together for ages. You know that I want to look after reliable. you because you're looking after me. And yeah. if I need something on a weekend or outside of delivery times, you know, you'll drop something off. Yeah. it's And at the end of the day, if I'm a... Uh, a proprietor, I want to pour what sells. And, and, and inevitably, that comes from relationships, you know, good relationships with, with good um, suppliers. If you run out of one keg and order the next one, and so I don't have to keep sending, uh, you know, my ad sales guy out there at, you know, $45, $50 an hour um, to try and sell you that keg, you know, there's a business saving to me that I'll pass on to you. And, you know, whether that's signed you know, or anything like that but that's uh, yeah i mean I, and contracts are much more complicated than that and there's a conversation with uh paul indicated but you know yeah so it'll be it'll be very very interesting to yeah. see and ha- that seems like such considering how much work i've sort of did in the first half of the year on tap contracts like it seems like such a massive hurdle to overcome anyway and like we say you know if you if you're founders first or my, mighty craft now i think um and you have tap contracts how is that going to affect you Yep. If and the IBA is saying, no, we don't like them, it must be very confusing for everyone. Excise <laughs> is another one because there's no consensus um, around whether excise reduction is good or bad and whether excise reduction will actually bring more players who are less involved in the community. And we'll see a, whole, uh, we'll see a flood of contract brands that don't have a investment in the industry. And we, we, I've seen a whole lot of <laughs> a lot of media releases this week from um, businesses that you know are, are telling the story a couple of mates decided that you know our region needed its own named beer that we don't make in the region but we'll sell in the region because that gives us a good marketing story and whether we'll see a, a, you know, a flood of those if they think that suddenly the margins are better because of excise or you know so yeah so it, it, it's always interesting to see how as an organization these things are, are dealt with and yeah we, we wish them luck as they do and it'll also be interesting to see post-covid how the landscape changes with uh, some venues perhaps re-looking at you know 
re-establishing their brand or saying, okay, we, we can't carry as many different brands, you know, we're going to um, rationalise our, our offering or or not open at all or, you know, whatever it might be, There's uh, there, there will be opportunities for brewers but the, with more breweries coming on, you know, every week, mm-hmm. uh, it makes it certainly difficult, particularly for those, I guess, the the stalwarts, the the veterans, the and I'm talking about you know the whether it's the Holgates, the Two Birds, the the Hawkers, the um, Green Beacons, although not necessarily independent, but you know that that size brewery that are sort of um, got to a stage now where uh, you know there's a lot more competition than than when they were the new kid on the block. And while you know local is the hot thing in bottle shops, you know at, at the moment, and so we've seen a lot of love from just about every bottle shop chain big and small is mm-hmm. making a big thing about local um you know if there's this shift in consumer mm-hmm. um about sentiment yeah, yeah sentiment yeah. Yeah. how um, much of that post-covid yeah unprecedentedness will will carry on will we see the a new thinning normal? of the lines you know to, to, to after the, your blokes with the bingo today <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> to the ones that sell so yeah but uh yeah now speaking of getting beer out in the market Coffee Milk Stout recalled over re-fermentation fears. A batch of a collaboration brew by Six String Brewing in New South Wales has been recalled. The Mr Black Coffee Milk Stout, which is a collaboration between the brewery and Mr Black Coffee Liqueur, was initially launched back in May. Uh, Last week, um, FSANS, the Food Standards Australia and New Zealand, published a recall notice for the batch brewed in August, which is dated with a best before of 12.05.21. It's an 8% uh, ABV beer. It's been recalled due to, quote, the potential for alcohol to exceed marked alcohol content and possibly for can to rupture due to a secondary fermentation. Um, so now, uh, and unrelated but related, um, in the Carwin Cellars can vent, um, can vent box, yep. dollar, beer, dollar bill beer, the priming sugars weren't mixed in correctly. They usually sit on it for two months but only got two weeks to do this one. It highlights a couple of issues, does it not? Well, first of all, congratulations to the brewers for the way they've handled it. And also, you know, like it's, it's one of those hard calls you make as a journalist, and full credit to Claire here, who's the person who has to reach out to these people and say, look, you know, we want to talk about this. <laughs> um, and the brewers have been very, very forthcoming um, in talking about the issues and being very open and honest. And so, you know, full credit to them, the way they've handled handled it and all of those sorts of things. So... Good, you know, kudos to them. I, I guess as a um, industry, you know, broader industry thing, these aren't isolated issues, um, and we have been hearing of a number of these, and then also speaking to people in retail there who, who literally have to clean up, not just figuratively have to, to clean up um, when there is a recall. Um, that uh, it, it is a growing issue. Um, and for, so, is there a suggestion, that, like for every one of the ones that, if for every one we know about, there's another two or three that are just quietly recalled? Not recalls, because I don't think you no. can quietly recall. And I don't think um, the dollar bill beer was technically recalled because they didn't go out into like market, like beat bottle shops and stuff. It was purely in the calendar. Um, the calendar had only gone out to a quarter of the customers that um, would would have been affected. So actually they were managed to do it in the warehouse and say, look, oh, we can just swap it out now. It was smaller recall. So they... Yeah, they, little, they, little they, recall. They, yeah, yeah they, they called it back, Baby but recall. it wasn't the, you know, red and yellow... Um, yeah, didn't have to... I don't think they have to sell F sounds on something like that. It's just if it's just gone out into the wider market and you don't know who necessarily who's got it. Obviously they've got a list of the names of the people they've sold convents to. So um, they were a little bit more protected in, in that respect. I, I can only say that it's by complete coincidence because... This 
this week we have um, pushed out a, a featured event that we've been working on for some time um, about innovation and quality um, and you know uh, to, to look at this issue that came about as a result of issues that people were bringing to us or concerns that um, uh, were, were coming to us about a range of retail issues um, and as a result, we've been working with uh, you know a, a group of people to sort of bring them together to talk about the issue on a on, on a webinar, including um, uh, Professor Charlie Bamforth, who's been wanting to uh, uh, have a conversation with us for, for some time, which is really lovely. <laughs> um, but you know, and yeah, so I, I sort of always feel that when these things align, and suddenly we've had a couple of recalls, and it looks like suddenly Bruce News are going, let's capitalise on this with a webinar. This has been actually yes. um, entirely. You've got, yeah. you got to strike while they're on top, though, and, and it's yeah. The issue. Was Absolutely. front of mind because, as as we said, you know, every time we publish a new episode, there's somebody listening to us for the first time who is just opened a brewery or has one in planning or is is thinking about it. So, and quality is first, second, and third most important things. You know, then comes your branding, then comes what you name your brewery and whether you have a core range and specials or whatever. But we've got we've got to get that quality issue right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it, it is a big thing because it's not like you know. These are re-fermentation and, you know, whilst re-fermentation can take beer out of the alcohol spec, um, it can literally cause the cans to explode. Um, and I understand um, that that had been an issue, at least on in, in one of these beers that were called this one, week. Yeah, I can't remember which one uh, now. But again, it was the brewers who mm-hmm. told us about it. But, you know, Pete, I've been getting, we've been getting a, a, a torrent of beers sent to us as, you know, Brewers launch new one-off beers and specialty beers and things like that. And I don't know whether you, you're a little bit the same, but there's been a growing frequency of opening cartons of beer and you reach in and there is, you know, st- sticky, sticky cans yeah. um, in the in the box. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of them have clearly been seeming issues with the lid where you can actually see... Um, beer oozing out um, of the lid, which is a problem, or whether it's just however the packaging goes, the cans aren't being washed properly. Um, and, you know, w- when you're talking about a 10 or $12 um, retail experience, when you reach into the, hopefully, the beer fridge or onto a shelf um, and touch a can that's a bit sticky, that is not a good that's not a premium retail experience. Um, no, that's right. That, that does come back to quality. And as Claire, Clouding, uh, and one of the things that we'll, we'll discuss, um, you know, Claire has a very, uh, um, you know, her, she is the quality you know, person for Gage and she's on the board, uh, on, on now on the board of the IBA. But one of the things that, one of the points that she made is that the independent logo that appears on cans isn't just there to market your brand and sort of stand it out. That is actually a thread that runs through every brewery that's got that can. And if somebody has a bad experience with a beer that's marked independent, oh, I didn't even yeah. That that, that that is a positive statement of independence, but it can also become a negative um, very quickly, as we saw in, in in the US when quality issues. You know, I think it was the the nineties, early two thousands. And uh, so anyway, it, it's a very very important issue. Quite apart from these recalls, quality, um, and it does seem to be a perceptible issue in the marketplace um so anyway um and that that's it's a it's it's a free webinar that we're doing but those are some of the issues that the panel have said that they want to talk about um and we will be looking at so uh yeah it certainly doesn't benefit us whether we've got 100 people um or five people in the uh you know listening to the webinar 
Speaking of quality and uh, innovation, our next story, HPA, uh, their hop launch, um, a mix pack, which I thought was really exciting. To debut its latest proprietary variety called Eclipse, Hop Products Australia has launched a mixed pack of 12 single hop beers from breweries from around the country. Um, so the, it's a collaboration, 12 different brewers, Deeds, Sunday Road, Blaster, Batch, Bridge Road, Newstead, New England, Hop Nation, Moo Brew, Mountain Culture, Mr. Banks, and Two Birds. Yeah, all using cool. Eclipse as a, a single hop. Yeah, and beer, that was I reckon a, it's a great yeah, idea. Yeah, what a bloody great idea, because then you can not only show what the hop can actually do, and OJ was really like quite cool about it. He was just like, look, we normally do go to trade shows. You know, that's how you launch a hop. That's how you conventionally do it. That's how most of the market do it. Um, and we just thought, like, let's do something a bit different. I don't think it's the first ever in the world that's done it like this, but it's definitely up there with um, what I've seen. And what a great way you get it out to customers who are going to be um, quite vocal craft beer fans, I imagine, that can talk about this um, hop in the marketplace. Uh, and then also get brewers to try it in a whole massive range of different styles. Um, and I spoke to DJ McCready. At Mountain Culture, and he was like, "Look, we you know we opened it, and we were like, mm, not sure about this one because it was kind of, it wasn't as like aromatic, I believe, as as an, another hop might be. Um, but then they used it, and they were like, yeah, we're really happy with this, and they could use it in loads of different um, types of beers. They used it in a mid strength as well as their um, Eclipse mix pack one. Um, and yeah, I think everyone seems to be quite happy and quite interested and excited about this one. So yeah, well done, HBO. I think it's a great um, uh, side benefit or a result of." Uh places like HPA, businesses like HPA employing uh, brewers to, I guess, be that link between the, you know, the farm and the and the bar. Yeah. Um, or, or you can can speak brewer language and, and I guess, you know, it, it's a more direct relationship with uh, with other brewers. And because um, I don't think five years ago, Matt, and we've been talking about the hop report every year for 10 years, um, that we, you know, we we would have had something like this five or ten years ago. Mate, it, it, exactly, and it, you know, it's one of those hard things because you know this this was launched um, on Monday, um, and obviously there's a coordinated strategy um, where HPA, had, you know, um, worked and got all of this out. And so on one level there is a PR element. Second level there, you know, this is genuine news, and as we like to say in these parts, um, you know. Your beer shouldn't gush, and nor should your news. Um, so, when you look at something like uh, you know a new hop being launched and how you approach the coverage, you don't want to be you know gushing about a damp squib. Um, but all of the podcasts that I've heard coming out of America um, recently, and by that I mean just about anything, you know, the seventeen that John Hole um, <laughs> sort of runs, the brewers have name checked independently and unprompted HPA 0016, which is the new Eclipse, and talking about how excited they are, and you know that says a lot about the way that brewers are actually responding. Yeah, exactly. So well done to them. Um, keep an eye out for it in um, good retailers. Um, is it out yet? It is. Uh, I haven't seen out. Apparently, we're getting sent a, a carton. So um, mm, good on you. But then Same. also, uh, well, mate, I'll, we'll, we'll, we'll send we'll you share. a selection. No, it's all, no, no. Yeah. And then that was <laughs> the prize that we were teasing last week as well. So there are two cartons. <laughs> yeah, you were dancing around our, that way. Yeah. <laughs> There's going to be a big announcement on Monday. Well, when was that embargo? <laughs> <laughs> so hey, speaking uh, of embargoes, because we didn't get a chance to talk about it last oh year, God. last week. Um, Claire, have you ever had any experience with breaking an embargo? Oh, yeah. The the Queen of England's mad at me, effectively. (laughs) 
We'll um, just add her to the list this week. I mean, yeah, literally. <laughs> you you uh, won't be getting the card on your 100th birthday. No, definitely not if I make it that far. Um, yeah, so basically we, did, you know, like the knighthoods and all that kind of stuff that come out, like New Year's honours, they call it. So I broke mm. an embargo on that. And I got a really, really angry call from like the home office or something. But my, I was like a baby journalist. I was like 21 or something like that. My editor had sent it and I just put it up. I didn't look at the embargo at the bottom and I was like, you idiot, Claire. So I've never, ever done that again. Um, you'll be pleased to know. <laughs> That's what Lesson happened. learned. <laughs> and, and, well, and, and instantly, like we, we like embargoes um, are often used to give journalists a chance to do the story, you know, dig into the story and not respond just once it lands on your desk. And it, it, it is a very help, helpful tool. Um, but then it's also used, you know, so suddenly you see every beer publication launch the same story at that <laughs> at, at the same at, at the same moment. And uh, um, or sometimes earlier. <laughs> well, so we we didn't actually um, break the embargo, but apparently others did. Um, oh. So, but you know, like when everyone's launching the story, it doesn't matter. Like nah. everyone's got the same story. Yay. It doesn't matter who's first. Did um, I do that? <laughs> Quarterly sales are up for Endeavour Drinks. Endeavour Drinks has seen sales grow 20, count them, 20% on the same quarter last year. For its first quarter to the 4th of October 2020, sales at Endeavour-owned bottle shops, BWS and Dan Murphy's, rose $2.7 billion, up from $2.2 billion in the same period last year. Uh, it said that sales growth was prompted by continued in-home consumption, echoing Coles Liquor, which we talked about last week, which reported um, its uh, first quarter results predicting that at-home consumption would be the, quote, new normal. Ding. At the same time, global big data and consumer insight specialist IRI has released data which shows that it is new buyers that are fueling the, cro- the growth of craft beer and bottle shops. That, I think, is the most telling and most important bit. Yeah, I mean, I just added that bit in because we didn't have that initially because the IRI data was like at the bottom. But to me, that was absolutely, Pete, the, the most interesting bit. And the IRI who do all the shopper data, so they do all the scanning data, um, they were like basically Australians who weren't pu- purchasing alcohol from retailers before have now started to do so, which is... Where were they purchasing their alcohol from before? They weren't buying any. They were like just going out. Oh, they were just going to the pub. Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. That, I, yeah. Think, I believe yeah. that's, that's right. what they meant, yeah. They were just going to the pub, just drinking out. They didn't have much at home, um, which it seems shocking to me, but that's just me. Uh, so yeah, 20, uh, 231,000 households extra buying alcohol. So, you know, we always discuss like, are we drinking more in during lockdown, all that kind of stuff. That that's another sort of contributing factor, and that's what they talked about at the um, IRI webinar as well. Um, there's been such conflicting information in the media about are we drinking more in um, lockdown or not, and things like this sort of point towards not really. So that was quite interesting. Mm. Yeah, the yin to that yang. Uh, sad day as US importers Shelton, Shelton Brothers close. Uh, Australia and New Zealand brewers have said it is a sad day as US importer Shelton Brothers is forced into liquidation. So according to US beer news site Good Beer Hunting last week, the Massachusetts-based Shelton Brothers announced it was closing its doors after 24 years, being forced into liquidation by its bank due to the pressures of COVID-19 as huge swathes of the US uh, pub, restaurant, bar market is still closed, still locked down. Uh, The company which also runs the festival, uh, which is attended by brewers from across the globe, has reportedly let go 25 staff. It owes money to suppliers and to brewers, and they import from all over the world, including beers from Australia and New Zealand breweries. I mean, Shelton Brothers have always been on the landscape as long as I've been writing uh, about beer. So it's one of those 
brands that you know very well. And then, you know, Australian brewers who have cracked the, and New Zealand brewers who have cracked the, the US market have often been picked up by Shelton Brothers. So when we saw that, that the local angle for us is have any Australian or New Zealand brewers been affected by the collapse? Um, and the, the, the feedback that we got was, you know, no one's been really um, hurt by it. Apparently some of them had asked for COD. Um, you know, some of the brewers that had supplied had, you know, basically asked to be paid before they sent the beer or whatever because oh, of the risk. Well, quite often, like you do hear of, you know, when distributors go broke, that the brewers are the ones who who have supplied them. Um, I guess it makes a bit more sense when you're importing beer as well because you don't know necessarily how it's going to go in that market and you can't wait few months mm. or whatever to be paid so it might just make sense and it's well w- w- which is one of the challenges you know because like if you're paying up front and then it's months um or in the case of as somebody posted on the oh, facebook yeah, stone, stone years <laughs> before the beer is actually <laughs> sold um whoops, whoops um <laughs> that uh yeah it, it, it can anyone be, anyone who hasn't got a full card and then buzzword <laughs> bingo now feeding you haven't been trying yeah so it was an interesting one but also you know based on the some of the phone calls and emails i've had um outside you know there's a whole lot more beneath the surface in the u.s for shelton brothers you know whilst they were seen as being you know a major major lever pulling you know creating awareness of craft beer particularly in the early days with imports there is a lot more about the business. Um, you know, there have been lawsuits, there have been personality clashes um, and things that I, you know... Mm-hmm. That we don't see directly. That, that we don't we. see directly mm-hmm. isn't re- relevant to us, but there seems to be a lot more um, going on with that one as well. And it was interesting as well because I spoke to Dave Langlands at Moo Brew and obviously... Moondog. They, oh, Moondog, sorry. Moondog. And um, yeah, he was lovely and he was just saying, you know, they've got a really strong export business at the minute and they're doing really well, so it can be done effectively. But the feeling I got in just in general, nobody really said it, was that, you know, Shelton hadn't quite managed to modernise in the way that you know, other people had and the people that had been successful in uh, import and export um, had been, it had really good online presence, had, you know, all this kind of stuff set up uh, and Shelton was a little bit more old school in their approach, I believe, and really had really strong relationships in the industry, um, but not necessarily the um, platforms and things to back them up, um, which must have made it really hard during COVID. Yeah. Do, do you guys okay. think that post-COVID, given Australia's uh, unique position um, it, geographically and, and culturally that we are, we're a long way away and we're isolated and we're, you know, a country that's also a fairly big island, that we will have more of a focus on local and, and see fewer overseas exports, uh, Im- uh, imports? Mm. I've been saying that for 10 years. Like, well, what, what, what do I know? You know it, I, I think it was when we... Back when you and I were blogging on, you know, uh, our respective, you know, beer blokes and beer met um, websites, when I made my New Year's resolution that, you know, all things being equal, I'm going to buy local. But then you see a beautiful Weinstefan Pilsner on the show, and you go, oh, it, it well, wants me. But, but, uh, <laughs> is there a local equivalent to a Weinstefan mm. Pilsner? No, like that's that's the thing. Well, there are harder and harder Pilsners are harder. Yeah. So I have I haven't been drinking many uh, Weinstefan Pilsners, but with it becoming harder and harder to get, like that, something in that going, category. Going back to those blogging days, you know, the other thing that we used oh, to do, we used to drink everything from bottles. <laughs> <laughs> and Coopers, Coopers reaps rewards of their move to cans. And that's cans, not cans. Uh, <laughs> Coopers 
a brewery has continued on its growth trajectory after a period of investment in modernization. Total beer sales for the financial year to the 30th of June this year rose to 79.8 million litres, which was up from 76.8 million litres the year before. Uh, so for those who are good at maths, that's 3 million litres. Um, Cooper's has been involved in a modernisation program, moving its session ale into packaged format in March 2018, and the Cooper's dry the following September, while the original pale ale was made available in cans in August 2019. Um, and they're attributing that boost in sales and growth to the move to cans. <laughs> They've put the hat on backwards and fitting in with the kids. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh no! Look, well, and look, I need to um, note uh, they're still well down. Like they're about four million liters down on their record. Yeah, eighty-four million liters sold. Oh, five million. In okay, yeah, uh, twenty seventeen. So it, it was interesting. So they broke eighty million liters in sixteen increased again in 2017. Now, 2017 was an interesting year because it was early in that year when the gay marriage um, yeah, I've story heard about broke. This. Oof. And so on the figures, it didn't seem to hurt them, but also we don't know whether for the first nine months they were mm-hmm. tracking it being much higher and yeah. then actually <laughs> fell in the last quarter because the next year, the next full year, that didn't include the, you know, that they had dropped significantly. Um, and they, they also were producing Brooklyn, which then went to Lion. So was that about that same time? Yeah, so I wouldn't lose, have thought that they, Brooklyn they was... Lost that volume. I wouldn't have thought Brooklyn was in million, because that was one of the challenges. You know, Brooklyn wasn't getting... And were, were they affected at all by, you know, like, because they brew, I'm going to say, Cronenberg, uh, 1664, and mm. maybe Carlsberg? Yes. yes, under license. Carlsberg, now, yep, did those yep. did those change with the CB Asahi, SAB Miller? Not no, 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 no. Musical chairs, no, because no. um, yeah. and I don't think that they were sort of notable um, in it. So um, it was, and we, we did ask a follow up, and I can't remember what the numbers were for like their new line are about. Not, yeah, they're, they're still single figures for their. Um, they represent um, XPA and Pack Ale represent. Pacific Ale, please. Sorry, Pacific Ale. <laughs> uh, represents 7.4% of its volumes this year. There you go, 7.4%. Uh, what, 7 point, so it's still, you know, so Little. like that's, oh, no, I mean, that's for, for two new products. True. And that's the hazy, the hazy one. The hazy IPA wasn't included this year because they released it the following year, yeah. actually. Okay. Speaking of cans, um, our last story, New Zealand brewers face can shortages ahead of the holidays. Many New Zealand breweries are on edge as they prepare for the holiday production push thanks to a shortage of cans and, more importantly, lids. Oh, <laughs> the lid yes, problem in New that would be an issue, wouldn't the, it? The New Zealand lod problem is <laughs> exacerbated by COVID-19 and industrial action in Sydney. Uh, while can bottoms are manufactured in New Zealand, lods, uh, lids have come from Australia. Uh, according to Radio New Zealand, New Zealand's main ports are all reporting delays and congestion. So oh, okay, so there's, so there's a number of a number of factors there coming into. Do you know what they should do? I reckon they should call one three hundred eight five two two three five. Why would you do that? Ooh. Well, because Rowling's label stickers and packaging would be on the other end of that phone number, um, and they're not able to supply just like labels for your cans or bottles, but they can also supply printed or blank cartons, can trays, tap decals, barcodes, shrink sleeves, everything, the whole lot, the whole Megillah. You can get the whole lot. And I just wonder whether if you put a shrink sleeve on sideways, would that seal the top of the can? <laughs> and you wouldn't have to, that would solve your lid problem. And it would be easier to open too. No, I'm, sus- with your thumb. Yeah, I'm suspecting not, and I'm <laughs> and I'm sure the professionals at Rallings would 
not advice. I'm sure there'll be safe work limits and yeah, safe um, load limits and all that sort of thing and pressure. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, give the guys a call. Cool. Did I mention the number? Was it one three hundred eight five two two three five? I think that's the number you said. I think it was. Yep. Yep. Done. Um, so that's uh, that, well, that'll be interesting. Well, it's, it, it's an interesting one because you know, like the bottles, the bottles make a resurgence as a result, Matt. Well, funnily oh. enough, well, Vizzy now <laughs> owns OI Glass um, in Australia and New Zealand, so which is a smart business move. But again, you, you don't just go, oh, I can't get cans this week, I'm going to go buy bottles because yeah. well, nobody's going to be looking for that, are they? Yeah. Like you, you're well, loyal, regularly. Oh, well, well, I'm, I'm really starting to embrace cans. Especially every second Thursday when the bin gets emptied, because at the moment it's all—it's uh, taking me six it's months to, to get rid of all the bottles. Um, oh, but can, I can fit so many more crushed cans oh. into a. So you don't recycle, like you don't take them down and get your ten cents. I have a man come and collect them for me, Matt. Oh. We're we're, we're civilised down here in Melbourne. Every second week, blue lid bin in the city of Knox. Um, put uh, all of your okay. mix all your cans bottles. Um, cardboard, well, we've plastics, got top bins. the whole lot. I don't think they've got a container deposit scheme You don't scheme have a container there. deposit scheme down there, a, right. No. It's, okay. it's it's coming in in 2023, I think, and there's, yeah, they've just started making noises about it now. But I'll still be stepping on my cans and putting them in the, in the bin. I won't be schlepping them down to poke them through a machine. I know what I'm going to get. get you for Christmas, Pete. One of those things that you screw into the, the wall of your man cave. That you put the empty can, can in crusher. and pull it down and can crush it, <laughs> just so you don't sort of wear out that you know just the right heel on your the, the heel on your right shoe. Oh my god! No, because well, what I've started doing now to amuse myself is I put one, uh, I put two next to each other, and I step on one on the left, one on the right, and then I try to lift myself up and then just give a bit of a <clears throat> and see if I can <clears throat> crush them both at the same time. You are crackers. You are easily <laughs> amused. Anyway, um, let's amuse you. Lockdown. With We've been in lockdown for a long time. Yes, but affects affects different people differently. <laughs> Um, and on, sorry, going back to the actual glass cans thing, um, and one of the New Zealand brewers made the point that if they're listed in like retailers, you can't just say, oh, well, we can't have any cans. Oh, so, you can't just, yeah, you yeah. Can, it's technically a new product if you do that. And so you have to go yeah. through all the same processes. And Because that's the other thing, too, is that a lot of uh, retailers will be saying, no, well, you know, cans, we have the uh, shelf mm. space this far apart because yeah. I can stack, stack cans on top of each other, but I can't stack stubbies. Exactly. Um, and mm. they factor all that kind of stuff into when they choose to buy um, from these brewers. So, I mean, it made sense if you're a small, maybe if you're like a small, just a brew pub, you don't do much distribution, then you can easily make that pivot. Um, but no, yeah, it's not going to work. But interesting. Um, so if anyone's heard more about supply in Australia, which we've been looking into as well, then do let me know. Yeah, are any brewers experiencing? Because according to Aurora, mm. you know, um, there is a healthy growth in demand, but there's <laughs> don't mention the supply bit. Like yeah, yeah, yeah. everybody wants them, but we're not telling you if we've got enough. <laughs> Bless them. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that would be definitely worth keeping um, keeping an ear out and an eye out for. Um, so yeah, if any brewers have um, have heard any whispers, let us know. And there's maybe an opportunity for somebody in there who can, um, you know, is maybe making something else made out of aluminium mm-hmm. who can pivot and make lids. Exactly. We'll see. <laughs> who we'll knows? See. Um, TV. Anyone catch TV last night? Not me. No. Last night, as you're listening to this on Wednesday night uh, on the ABC, uh, the Gruen transfer. Uh, had a, a bit of a chat about um, about beer last night. What's they the do Gruen transfer? Every now and then. And I think, Matt, that's where we first got our uh, rule of four, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Was first released on, on Gruen. 
Might have been, um, was it Adam Ferrier? Adam Ferrier. Uh, I can't remember, but it was way back when in the first, I think it was the first show of the first season of Gruen that they talked about beer. Because let's face it, back in the day, beer marketing, you know, beer advertising was some of the 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 most moneyed um, advertising. Whereas they, you know, because the, the best, the advertising dollars go where the, the money is. And at the moment, it, from what I can see, it's all um, online gambling is where the money is, judging by the ads. <laughs> well, and, and also, um, I did catch up to your beer's conversation with Antonia Trochari. And that was one of the really interesting things, you know, have we seen the last of things like the big ad or, you know, so now if you want to sell beer, the big guys selling beer, it's more likely to be targeted um, social media posts or, um, you know, the, the two guys dumping their pregnant misses and going off <laughs> for a bit of BCF and fun. And, um, uh, and that's that kind of thing rather than, you know, the, the clever ads that we that we used to see the, the like the big budget productions, mm. but that said, you know, and we can't um, ignore the fact that you know this week we've seen ballistic go large with mm. um, advertising. You know, they they even had, you know, I, I don't think it was a TV advertisement, but there was a you know we are seeing brewers film their little you know bolter, yeah, which you know is has. Yeah, but even were doing their own little in-house videos mm. um, through you know with with their creative mates, and you know we're now seeing ballistic take billboards and um, you know. sassy billboards as well, super sassy. They haven't got any cease and desist lines yet, though. So no, well, <laughs> I mean that's probably a whole other discussion about whether name checking other, other other brands. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. I'll, I'll have to. I'll, is that I'll sassy or smart assy? Well, well, I think that's what sassy is, isn't yeah. it? Sassy is a, a positive say, spin to yeah, being a smart I say ass. sassy, but... <laughs> I thought sass was what I get in return from a, a seemingly normal request for one of my daughters. <laughs> I get, oh, yeah, I get sass in return. Yes, you will. Yeah, but it, it, that sounds better <laughs> than my daughter is... My daughter is sassy other. is better than my daughter is a smart ass. Yeah, that means she's sound really annoyed <laughs> at her rather than, I admire your spunk. I, I admire your <laughs> sass. Touché. <laughs> So, um, so some of the interesting things to come out of Gruen, uh, Corona's decision not to leverage the virus, um, which was to their advantage. Really? <laughs> was there really a surprise? Well, how it. could there was, you there leverage no that Everyone well. else did it. Everyone else was posting pictures of, you know, well, I can't see anything wrong with this. Or, you know, uh, you know, everyone else seemed to be taking the piss of the, the name check of, of Corona that Corona probably didn't need to do it themselves. I would have thought Corona yeah, yeah. would want to distance itself yeah. from it. <laughs> Did it had, oh, really early on, I think I saw that um, Corona sales in the US had gone down during well, uh, yeah. th- th- And this you don't know with their I've seen stories with it going up um, and, you know, the, the same story. And, and this mm. is where, you know, like whether it's a like a consumer survey or, you know, whatever, you're going to see so many data points that – you need to then try and work out, well, what are we hearing versus what we're saying? Mm. What's the agenda driving this um, story? So a lot of, you know, like I, I think one of them came from a, mar- you know, a market research company that wanted to get their brand on, you know, a study conducted by market research agency. And ultimately, that they don't care whether the data is correct or not. They just want to get their name on mm. the survey. Yeah, um, yeah, then, yeah, because then they get the clicks and they get references, as, you know, as reported by X you know, in the mainstream media. So it's free advertising for them and the data is just unreliable. So I, I still don't know what it is, but I can, you know, I'm, not surpri- I'm not surprised that they're distancing themselves from it, socially yeah. distancing themselves from it. Now, oh, good, yeah, nice. In that case, it's time to dive into the mailbag. 
All our letter writers will receive a Deblu Bakes cookie and go into the draw to win a mixed six-pack thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel who sponsor oh, our letter of the week. Mixed carton of uh, Eclipse. Oh, 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 Ooh. okay. Um, don't forget, you can also review us on iTunes or you can send us in an email. You can comment on the Facebook uh, group. Uh, just If you're not a member already, jump on, search for Radio Brews News, use the password Soapbox. Email, letter, comment, all those sorts of things. Everyone... Uh, is um, eligible for our beer of the uh, letter of the week, and the first one. Um, it was actually a text from Mike, and I do have to apologise to Mike because he sent me this the Friday before last, and I thought oh, I'll reply to it on Monday because it's it's work related, and uh, then I completely forgot for like a week. <laughs> so sorry, Mike. <laughs> oh, that's, that's um, anyway, it's, it's the embargo. It's the embargo disaster all <laughs> it over is again. It. But more more like reverse because I forgot all about it, so I've never <laughs> have got in trouble. <laughs> Well now, well, now Mike gets clear air, whereas last week, or the week before, it would have just been all mixed in with the other Guinness stuff. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, so, and that, that's exactly what it was about. Uh was listening this morning, um, and around the Guinness thing in Indonesia, if I'm recalling correctly, the biggest market for Guinness is South Africa and Africa. Correct. Um, I believe they have a brewery in Nigeria. Nigeria. That's it, isn't it? It's the second biggest market for, for Guinness outside isn't of Isn't that mental? Dublin. And I believe the beer is made on sorghum there as well because they use the local grains for ah, the base beer. There you go. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, I think it's a green label. Ah, there you go. Um, and he says, yes, yeah, super interesting. Max is super interesting given their climate. Um, there's a fantastic brand ambassador for Guinness, Donald, and he's a great guy to listen to. Um, have you had him on the podcast before, Matt? I don't Mike think suggested we have. You might have and I think birth. that the spelling of his name might be wrong because when I went looking for him, um, there was someone with a similar ah, spelling who's a him. brand ambassador who I think comes to Australia every now and then to. Yeah. Um, and I don't think I, I I couldn't find it in our records. Um, oh, okay. But I know that they do have people. a couple of people who are you know, yeah. you know that that perfect blend of entertaining showman, knowledgeable brand ambassador, um, yeah. but ultimately they're just spruiking the, you know, um, <laughs> they're telling you the line that sells them. That sells well, them. They're, yeah. out there, um, they're just well, selling but, but they do it so beautifully that, you know, <laughs> um, you don't always I'll care. Look, yeah, I'll take that one. Um, apparently he was telling Mike how in Africa, because they don't plug in fridges due to the cost, Guinness sells amazingly because people would rather have an ambient stout than an ambient lager. Very good point. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. I would. That does sound a little bit like the Charlie Bamford story about when he was talking about Guinness and the old lady who put her hand up and said, now, is it true that uh, the reason that Guinness tastes the way it is is because they have a dead cow in the vat? <laughs> and Charlie like said, my, pret- my, my dear woman, that's ridiculous. It's two cows. <laughs> and just and the way Charlie tells the story, it's just, you know, he, there's a lot more lead up to it and all that sort of thing. But it's just, and it's just one of those things that, you know, um, Guinness came about because there was a fire and they, they were tight asses and didn't want to throw the grain out, so they just throw it in burnt and then, oh, look, we've discovered Guinness. So I think it's <laughs> a lot of those things, you know. I, I doubt that they're not plugging their fridges. Well, I don't doubt that they're not plugging their fridges in, but mm. I still I think I'd rather have no beer than a, a warm stout. Yeah, I don't know. Well, no, but again, I, I don't I don't want to have a warm stout, but then... In 38-degree heat. Well, but if you're able to sort of, you know, if you've got a in-ground cellar or something like that where you'd, you're lower than the mm, ambient temperature, yeah, but it's still not like it's not refrigerated, but it's not hot. Um, I, I can understand the logic, and I think that that's quite believable. That's or if you wrap a cool guardy, uh, you know, safe around it, um, you know, the bit of um, what, what's the material? Hemp, hessian, or hessian mm. around, and you wet it, and it evaporates and cools down to get it to a temperature that makes it, you know, acceptable. Email from Pete Bradley at Big Shed. 
Brewing concern, Claire. Um, Peter says, thanks for the work that goes into the podcast. I'm a commute listener and the one hour cook limit covers my return drive to Big Shade Brewing Co. every Friday. Uh, listening to your last podcast, the statement was made that most beer awards in Australia were delayed and scrapped other than the Indies and the Queensland Beer Awards. Ah, well, the Royal Adelaide Beer and Cider Awards are definitely all go, with the judging panel led by Stephen Nelson scheduled to meet together in person at the Adelaide Showgrounds to judge entries on Wednesday the 18th of November and Thursday the 19th. The presentation of the awards will occur in conjunction with the Adelaide Beer and Barbecue Festival on the 4th of December, everyone. Well, that sounds lovely. And they also had the Perth ones. Yeah, yeah, no, no, we we also got a a message um, about the Perth um, awards that we forgot as well. So (laughs) Sorry, guys. Let's just... Admit that we got it completely wrong. We got it wrong. utterly wrong. Yeah. yeah. Apologies. <laughs> and and thank you to everybody to all of the uh, various state, um, you know, people involved in the state awards. Um, that oddly enough, we did cover on Bruce News, like we wrote about them uh, on oh, Bruce okay, News, yeah. but then <laughs> all had mental blanks when we were talking about it last week. Yes. Um, likewise with amber ales. Apparently, we didn't mention um, oh, yeah, as many as we should have. Speaking of which, James Davidson <laughs> in the Facebook group. It, it, sorry, and, and we've moved on from, from Guinness, but oh, yeah. um, there was also something posted in the Facebook group today mm-hmm. that apparently the Guinness uh, Zero has been recalled. What? Oh. Breaking news. I was going to throw that in when we were talking about beer recalls and stuff, because it's not just small independent brewers, it's big oh, brewers yeah. as well. Um, microbiological contamination of a zero alcohol beer. So I don't know whether they pasteurised it or not. Um, and Ooh, obviously, you being thought they were. It's not available here, so it's uh, it wasn't really on our news beat. But um, thank you to Brendan Coffey who who shared yeah, that yeah. link um, this morning. Interesting. Uh, uh, I wonder. What the, oh wow! Or oh, James Atkinson. Um, you know, has weighed into the to the comments, so he's still uh, an unofficial correspondent for for Brews News. Um, has said that they've been bombarded on Twitter by pregnant women who have been consuming it. There's no margin for oh, error with a product like sugar. this. Oh no! So if it's re-fermented, um, because if there's so micro- is the problem with it that it may not be zero, that it's creating alcohol, or that it's a bacterial infection and it's dodgy. Well, this is a, a, an a English Sky News problem. It just says it's microbiological contamination in some cans. Yes, yeah, some cans might be unsafe oh, okay. to consume. It only affects the non-alcoholic version. Um, but if there is, you know, if it is micro, it's either oh, you know going to be bacterial, um, or it's you know yeast is often regarded as micro as well. So it could have, um, if it wasn't pasteurized mm. and it's re-fermented, then it could have taken it outside of the, um, you know. <sighs> That, oh, that whole refermentation thing. And I mean, if some, a brewer like Guinness can do this, whoa. It's, but it's a brave new frontier. Like mm-hmm. was, um, There are so many, and, and we are going to be launching a, um, another event. Um, <laughs> this isn't a tie into that, but... Um, <laughs> You're getting good at this, we, yeah, Well, <laughs> we see what is out there and deliver the news Respond, um, yeah. based on that, even before the news actually happens. So these things take a while to come up. But um, about to do a, another webinar um, with Fermentus looking at the various techniques to create alcohol-free beers um, that don't necessarily involve a huge investment in vacuum distillation or the other expensive ones. And, uh, you know, the only thing I've seen about the Guinness one is that it's cold-filtered. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which I, I, I don't know what that, I, that, that, that to me sounds like they're trying to glorify reverse osmosis because that which is one of the um, ways of removing the alcohol. It sounds a little bit less chemically, doesn't it? Yeah, than reverse osmosis. <laughs> Just uh, like so we, we did, we did mention James Davidson's um, contribution, but we, we we mentioned it earlier. But it's probably worth 
picking out that he still has the article. It did start off his sort of his craft beer nerd journey. Uh, and the top five, the top five is an interesting one. So this is from um, top 20 in 2008. Uh, 2008. So 12, 12, 13 years ago. Uh, Little Creatures Pale Ale, number one. Dog Bolter, Matilda Bay, number two. Muscle Stout by uh, Ballerine Brewing, which I don't know that they make that anymore. Um, and James Squire, original Amber Ale at number four. And Feral White by Feral. With an honourable mention, uh, honourable mentions included VB, <laughs> which, which which kind of yeah, restates the point that Matt said that you know sometimes when you when you're outside the bubble, not even looking in with your back to the bubble, um, yeah, beer's just whatever floats your boat. And as I said, like it was you know, Rory Gibson who was the Queensland equivalent um, in in the in the Korea Mail wrote a very you know um, broad um, audience beer column. Even in the mid two thousands, if he wrote about little creatures, he would get angry letters going, "Why don't you write about things that we can buy?" Because in a state as big as Queensland, it's very hard to write for the entire market, particularly with a beer that was a little bit obscure. Lucky they've now got a beer from up here <laughs> or up there. Actually, funny enough, I'll, I'll post something in the. I, 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 when we were talking about the Kent Brewery last week, and thank you to I think it was Steve Levian who pulled out his Kent book um, and shared it on the, the history of the Kent Brewery that he shared in the um, Radio Brews News Group. But I went looking for that book because I've got a couple of the, um, every now and then cropping up on some of the secondhand bookshops, you can find these um, books in you know, archive booksellers. And I went looking for that particular book but ended up buying half a dozen other ones, including uh, Cyril Pearl's Book of Australia. And there was a lovely book about an English um, writer who wrote about a journey around Australia, you know, and this would have been in 1980s when you know it was very blokey and it was basically a constant refrain of every person he had a beer with going, mate, what do you reckon about that? We make the best beer in the world here in Australia. Um, actually, it must have been the, the, the 70s because the Max Brewery in Rockhampton was still going and so was the Great Northern Brewery in Cairns and he visited both of those breweries. Um, oh, there you go. And, uh, yeah, um, so... That there, there was a great brewery that CUB lovingly closed down. And I, a shout out to uh, a shout out to Brett Rogers, who I'm pretty sure, if memory serves me correctly, uh, may have even started his brewing career, or uh, certainly early on, at the Kent Brewery. And I reckon he went from there over to F1J1 to do uh, to brew Fiji bitter. Um, well, that was he was at Masthead. Um, Brewing I, on the I, Gold Coast. I thought that was. I thought that was later. It, well, I, I think that was before Fiji, and we'll, we'll, and we'll have to fact check this. But I, I think we've moved. We should the, just get the great yeah. man on. Again, we need to. We need to just yeah, get him on and have a chat. But anyway, um, last one there um, from Adam Forbes in the Facebook group, Claire. Um, okay, Adam's. Oh, this. All oh, right. Okay, yeah. Uh, Adam says, "Great episode of Beer is a Conversation today with Peter Layla." I'm finding Lola, that. I'm um, lo- so I, I think I said it Layla, but it's Lola. Oh, right. Okay. As in Gola. It is Lola. Yeah, because I just copied you, Matt. You led me astray there. <laughs> um, I'm finding that I'm really enjoying the chats with people who are on the fringes. Well, not the fringes, but let's say non brewery staff. Keep them coming. That's what we were talking about. And I agree. I think it's really interesting, as you say, to see people that aren't necessarily in the craft beer bubble and how they see it from the outside and what they think is important. Um, because sometimes we have blinkers on and think, oh, this is the major, massive problem. Like, or, oh, look at this. This is the greatest piece of news ever. And you're a bit like, what does the rest of the that 92% you were talking about earlier, what do they think about it? Yeah, and, and that's where, like, with the conversations, that, and I, I don't know what your approach is, Pete, because you know 
the, the conversations you do, we don't. I don't script it. I've got, you know, there's a there's a reason that a guest has stuck out that makes them interesting to me. Um, and you know, we get a lot of people who say, "Can I come on the the, the podcast?" Or you know, I want to talk about this on the podcast. And you go, well, we don't want to make it a like it, it, it. It's not you know, whenever you hear um, you know the WTF podcast with Mark Maron or whatever. It's celebrities who have something to promote and almost grudgingly go on as a way to promote their current thing. Um, and we actually generally want to avoid doing that. Um, you know, and speaking to, I, I think there's some notable examples. Um, you know, we, we spoke to Dave Padden about Akasha and their rebrand. And that was part of a bit, it was topical, it was new, but it was actually interesting to dig in and find out why that is. The Antonio Chorchari um, interview was very much just an interesting person who had a very interesting career, and we're not there to push anyone's agenda. Um, the Peter Lawler one went completely differently to what I expected. I had an idea of the questions I wanted to ask him, but that went out the window pretty much from the first question. Um, and, uh, yeah, so it, it certainly that there is a certain um, serendipity in, in the guests that we get um, and having a, a, a good conversation, but that's also just because they're fascinating people. And uh, I don't know how we go about going, how we religiously make somebody on the periphery a guest um, and make it interesting to everybody. Having said that, we've got a lot of people out there who can give us suggestions because people will be meeting people that we, you know, perhaps haven't heard about. Um, I've got one coming up um, with a, a guy who's a, you know, retired pharmacist or something or commercial airline pilot who's just growing some hops, um, you know, a, a hobby farm sort of thing down, um, down in Gippsland. Um, but it's just a really fascinating thing because, again, he's not sort of, you know, trying to make it a commercial proposition he's just he's just got relationships with some small local brewers and he's you know providing some hops to to get some beer back in in return and just to see how you know it's a learning experience for him so you know that sort of thing to me is interesting mm. yeah but this yeah as i say we've got plenty of people out there who can uh, put us in touch with or, you know alert us to somebody who's who's got an interesting story to tell because at the end of the day beer is a conversation and we've got far more people, you know, that uh, my list of people I want to reach out to is long um, and it, 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 you know, not including somebody um, in, in the podcast is generally just we haven't got to them yet as opposed to we don't find them interesting or worthwhile. Um, yeah. and, and that's that's yeah. a hard one. And, uh, you know, gee, if, you know, if, if people sponsored the podcast, um, you know, uh, we might be able to even create more beer. You know, do two beer com- is a conversations a week if we, you know. Ooh, <laughs> look at you. Look at all this. You've changed, mate. You've no. changed. I, got, I, I got a phone call actually from one of our new gold sponsors. Oh, so we're inquiring about. What, what, what no, do not, I get not sponsors, subscribers. subscribers. They're subscribers. Subscribers, sorry. Um, you know, for my gold subscribership. Uh, you know, what do I get? And I said, well, I answered the phone, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> oh, said normally I would have, I would have let it go through to voicemail. See, that's, so, it, it, but it, 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 it's really, really funny. And I know that I'm, I'm looking at the time and I know that this is a long episode. So, guys, you might just want to end up doing another way, another lap. It, it, it's really concerning when we actually call when breweries take a subscription um, that it, it, it's called a subscription. It's not an ad or whatever because, you know, our approach is we do the industry news for free and we ask ourselves, uh, you know, three questions um, when, when whenever there's a story um, and we write for the industry and the questions are, you know, does the industry need to know this? Because if the industry needs to know the thing, that is news and we will cover that regardless of any consumer 
um, you know, or, or any commercial obligation. And the second question is, does the industry want to know this? You know, is this something that the industry would appreciate us sharing with them? That's also news because it's our core role. The third one is, does somebody want the industry to know this? Then, you know, if, the, if, if it's no to the first two, then I'm sorry, that's an ad. Um, and we pay, pay it. Um, and th- there is a mindset these days that public relations role is to create content for people and that if you get your story in the news you have somehow managed to game the system and create awareness or you get your news out there without running an ad and i'm sorry that if you're using somebody else's platform to um, promote your product that is advertising some people manage to get free advertising, but it's not free because you've paid a public relations agency to create that for you. And, you know, all of these young disruptors who think that they're doing something different, um, if you're paying for public relations, you are paying for an ad. It's just in a different format. The problem is that when you shift your advertising spend to public relations people and not to the platforms that you want to be on and have things that are transparently advertising, you're actually undermining the ecosystem that drives down. So if you look at, um, at, at the moment, I'm seeing all of these, you know, the six best brewery tour companies in in a region. You're going, well, there are only six. You know, the 32 <laughs> best seltzers. Um, those are businesses that are desperately trying to get clicks um, with shit content that is purely trying to get their Google SEO up. Um, and, you know, it, look, look, Completely, this is an ad for Brews News and for businesses that you know support us by advertising because that allows us to do the news that we do. Sub- subscribing. Um. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, well, take take a subscription, and in return for your subscription, we get we'll keep doing what we do. Um. The the only benefits that you get as a subscriber is you, you get included in our weekly new beer roundup, which is just basically, it's not a review, it's a summary of your media release about your new beer. You get free job ads and you get, um, you can send us media releases if it doesn't fit those tests um, and we're not going to run it as news, we're not going to tell anybody it's news, but we do have that media release stream. But, but Matt, that we should point out, it does come with a word of warning. If you're going to put out exploding product you are going to get shit canned for your shit cans oh no 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 <laughs> we will cover the story fairly but again like we had uh you know like a, a big company that um didn't like a story that we wrote this week so say well you know this is going to make it very hard for us to advertise with you i'm sorry <laughs> even if you were advertising this was a story that had to be covered and we don't care we can't care whether um, you're going to threaten to pull your advertising or not. So, sorry, that was a very, very long bit of a... A very long way of saying I'd like to thank our subscribers, Cryomalt, Rellings Label, Stickers and Packaging, and our good friends at Beer Cartel who subscribe and look after us. They don't sponsor it. They don't advertise it. Oh, no, oh, they no, no, are no. supporters. <laughs> they they, they oh, advertise. They advertise. But if, if you look at the amount of Cryomalt content, <laughs> you know, that's in, in this podcast outside of us saying thank you. And, you know, if you're a listener, if you're a brewer and you appreciate this, we hope that you appreciate the fact that it is because of the advertising that Cryo takes that supports this uh, podcast that makes it possible. And that was an ad. That was a paid ad for Australian Brews News. <laughs> Thanks, Matt, for being part of this one. Thank you, Pete. <laughs> Thank you, Claire. Cheers, Pete. Thanks, Jimmy, for not turning up again. 
You're going to have to start <laughs> docking slacker. his pay. What kids, a kids today. I'll tell you what. We might start what, paying Pete. him so we can start docking his pay. Maybe it's um, our old uh, work ethic, but, you know, we turn up week in, week out. Uh, so do I. <laughs> and I'm even younger than Jimmy. So we'll look, I won't go into what's on this week for you guys because I'm sure it's sunny up there and there's beer to be drunk, so enjoy it. Um, so I'm your host, Pete Mitchum. It's been a pleasure yet again, and thank you to all of you for listening, for contributing, for commenting and emailing and all that stuff that you do. We love that you love us and we love that we can keep doing this, um, which we'll keep doing to the end of the year, which, Matt, dun, 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 it, the countdown's on. It's We're halfway through November already. Okay, so um, have we got any plans for our last, last episode of the year? And when will our last podcast episode be? Joe informs us that the 18th of December uh, is going to be our 300th episode. And we oh, were looking, we yeah, and uh, Joe's going to be on leave. So that'll be our last formal pre record um, podcast. Um, Nicely edited, yep. But we were actually thinking that perhaps on, because we record this the day before, so the 17th will be the day that we record that. So a week after that will be Christmas Eve, um, the 24th. So Joe will be on leave, but we were toying with the idea, listeners, of having a live Christmas Eve, um, sit around the mistletoe, drinking our eggnog um, stouts and um, just doing a live podcast um maybe at five o'clock that afternoon that we don't have to worry about editing because it went out live already and doing a um live so podcast. similar similar to what we did with the antidote with the antidote so yeah um okay. so if yeah, anyone like wants to idea. just sort of sit in sit around the christmas tree and sing christmas carols with us um <laughs> let us know if you'd like to and you know we'll certainly go to the effort if there is interest in having something that you guys can then actually even phone in and uh you know in in well, hello caller um long time listener first time caller uh <laughs> Because oh we, we do Go have ahead. the technology ahead, to do that. To Matt. Yeah. <laughs> I've been listening to Radio Bruce News for 137 years. <laughs> when I'm, the onion that I had on my belt was... <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> now, anyway, um, I'd, God, we, uh, Joe, we what can you make of this? But thank you, Pete. Thank you, listeners, no for putting up with us. Drink fresh, drink local, wash your damn hands, look after each other. And if it comes down to a choice, choose kind. And we're out. Boom. Oh, subdued boom. No, I could, well, I, none of us have got any chill after, <laughs> after that. Oh, 1 800 boom. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do it like that next week. <laughs> wow, chicka, wow, wow. All right. or, or boom, chicka, boom, boom. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, that'll do. Uh, good luck with this, Joe. <laughs> Poor Joe. Don't forget, if you like what we do here at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You'll find details in the show notes. You can also review us on iTunes or whatever your favourite podcasting service happens to be. Let us know what you think and help others find and discover our shows. Finally, you can tell us what you think about what's going on in the beer industry by emailing us at producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive in return, as by way of thanks, a Brews News bottle opener. And thanks to our very good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of great Australian beer. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because, as you may have heard, beer is a conversation. Beer.